Children, I have a question for you. Is it easier to talk to somebody that you know or somebody that you don't know? Somebody that you know. It's easier for me to talk to somebody that I know too. In fact, I have found that the, the more I know somebody, the easier it is for me to talk with them. In fact, just yesterday, we were outside. Uh, we were having a family carnival and had a whole bunch of games, and there were a lot of people that I knew, and there were a lot of people that I didn't know that were out there. And uh, I found that it was much easier for me to just go up and talk with people that I knew. And I knew that I should be meeting people that I didn't know and welcoming them also, but it was much easier for me to just talk to people that I talk to all the time because I already knew them. I already had relationship with them. Well, this morning we are going to be talking about prayer, right? And prayer is talking with God. And I think that sometimes we struggle in talking with God because we don't know what to say. And when I'm with somebody that I don't know very well, and I don't know what to say, then it makes it really hard for me to talk with them. But when I'm with somebody that I know very well, even if I don't know what to say, it's very easy to talk with them because we can talk about anything. And so, uh, the other thing I have noticed is that if I don't know somebody very well, but a friend of mine, or even somebody that I've just met does know them well, and I am with them, I can participate in the conversation, right? Because they know each other, they're having a conversation, I can just be there, and I don't have the pressure of having to uh, maintain the conversation or make the conversation happen. They're doing all of the hard work of having a conversation, I'm just participating in it. Sometimes I just listen, sometimes I talk along with them, sometimes they say something and I just agree with what they said, but it's easier for me to have this conversation with the people that I don't know because somebody does know them very well. That is what we're going to do this morning. Because when we pray, we are talking with God, and there is somebody here who wrote down a prayer for us who knows God very well, and that's David. Do you, what do you know about David? Anything about David? Okay, he was a king. I heard that in two different places in stereo at the same time. Yes? He defeated Goliath. Good. Anything else? Man after God's own heart. That's one of my favorite things about David. He loved God. God loved David too. God gave him a covenant, a, a promise. He was the king of Israel, but he loved God, and he loved to sing praises to God. In fact, before he was a king and before he was a warrior of any kind, he was a worshiper of God. He would play music and sing music to God. And one of the things that he wrote for us was Psalm 86. So you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 86, and we're going to hear David's prayer to God. And David, this is a, a prayer that David prayed to God, but he's written it down. It was a worship song that the congregation would sing, but it was also a way for people to read along and pray with David. We are being invited to pray along with David. And so uh, let's start here in Psalm 86, verse 1. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. 
Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the heart of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Isn't that good? David, David reaches out and he says, God, would you incline your ear to me? Oh Lord, would you incline your ear? Would you listen to me? Would you pay attention to me? H have you ever been talking with somebody and they weren't full, fully paying attention to you? Maybe you've been on the other side. They were talking to you and you weren't fully paying attention to them. I, I found myself doing that from time to time. I'm focused on something and somebody comes up and they start talking to me and I go, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then they ask me a question and I realize, I don't know what they said before that. And I have to acknowledge, I wasn't really paying attention. I was focused on this thing. I'm sorry, would you mind repeating that? Well, David is saying, I want you to pay attention, Lord. Would you incline your ear to me? Would you, would you sort of bend over and listen to what I'm saying. When I'm talking with somebody who is uh, much smaller than me, like there were times when I was talking with kids out at the carnival yesterday, and so uh, what do I do it, to show them that I'm really paying attention? What do I do? I, I, get, I get down, right? And I get way down so that I can, can be right eye level when possible, eye level, and, and okay, we're, I'm listening, I'm, I'm bending over and I'm listening and I'm paying attention. That's sort of the imagery that's here, that, that David is saying, God, would you, would you bend down, would you pay attention, give me your undivided attention, because I have something that I want to say to you. I have something that I want to say to you. Would you really pay attention to me? You know, I, I don't know that I always take that posture when I'm coming to, with, to God. I sort of hope that he's listening. I know, I know that, that, that God always loves me and always pays attention and always cares about what I have to say. And so I sort of assume that, but David doesn't assume that. David says, God, I, I just really want to know that you're listening. He starts off his prayer that way. God, I don't want to waste my words if you're not paying attention. And so, Lord, would you incline your ear to me and answer me, for I am poor and needy. No, don't just listen, but, but respond in some way. Would you, would you listen and then respond in some way? Why? Because I am poor and needy. Now, when I asked, who, what do we know about David? The first thing that came out in stereo in this room was, he's a king. Was David poor and needy? Not, not in the way that we think of poor and needy most of the time. But was David poor and needy? Yeah. When it comes to whatever kind of affliction or uh, difficult circumstance he was dealing with, for all of the resources David had as a king, he was poor and needy. He was not able to meet his needs he was not able to handle his own afflictions apart from the work of God. And so he was saying, God, I am poor and I am needy and I am coming to you because I know that you can help. 
And I think that this is an important thing as we are asking that God would incline himself, that he would bend over and listen to what we have to say. We also then humbly come before him and say, God, we are poor and needy. I am poor and needy. The reason I'm coming to you, God, is I don't have any ability to get myself out of these circumstances. Whatever this difficulty is, I don't have the resources or the ability to handle it myself. I can't do it. And so, God, I am poor and needy with respect to this. Would you please incline your ear to me and not just listen, but also answer? That's what I'm asking for, Lord. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Listen to to the, the rhythm of this. Preserve my life, for I am godly, I am following you. Preserve my life, because I'm following you. Save your servant. I I am poor and needy, I am your servant. I am the one who follows your instructions. Whatever you ask me to do, that I will do, because I see myself as your humble servant, Lord. And so, uh, save your servant, because I trust in you, and you are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, because I cry out day and night, all the day I cry out to you. It's this rhythm, this this sort of back and forth, stepping back and forth as as he's going through this passage where he's saying, this is my need, would you respond to me and answer me? And then he, he comes with a reason for that. Please listen to me because I'm poor and needy. Please preserve my life because I am godly. Please save your servant, because I trust in you and you are my God. Please be gracious to me, O Lord, because I'm crying out to you day and night. There's all of this relationship where David is identifying, this is my relationship with you. This is the way that I relate to you. You are strong. You are holy. You are awesome. You are wonderful. You are like a heavenly father who is listening to me. I am poor and needy. I am in need of help. I am afflicted. I am crying to you all day and all night. I am your servant, your humble servant, and you are my God. And so he's setting up this relational expectation and this relationship, uh, the way the relationship with God is. He's just establishing that, saying "This this is what we know about each other. Uh, you know, my, my kids, when they come to me and ask for something, they have a different expectation that, I, that I'm going to grant that request than some other kid, right? If I'm at the playground, my kids come up and they have an expectation that I'm going to do something to help them. Would you push me on the swing? Yeah, I can push you on the swing. When a random kid comes up, they don't have that same expectation, because I don't have that relationship with them. But David has this relationship with God where he expects that God is going to listen and is going to respond. And he's inviting us then to come into his presence, into God's presence with him and pray along with him. He wrote this prayer down so that we also could pray these same things. Sometimes when you have difficulty praying, finding prayers in Scripture is a great place to start. 
You say, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. I'm a terrible prayer. I'm just not good at that. Okay, that's fine. Everybody has to start somewhere. You can say, I'm terrible at having conversations with people. I'm just no good at it. I am an introvert, and I don't like talking with people. That's not a thing I like to do. Okay, why don't you just stand here and listen while two people talk with each other and see if you have anything that you'd like to contribute? That's what David is inviting you to do. You may be an introvert when it comes to your relationship with God right now. And what David is inviting you to do is to come and pray along with him. And you can read this prayer and just agree with, oh, yeah, God, I think that too. Or you can pray these very words. We did that earlier, right? That at, Earlier in this service, we read the words of Jesus when he said, pray in this way. And we all together prayed that. So you may think, oh, I'm not a great prayer. But you know what? I heard you earlier. You're a great prayer. You didn't even know it, but you were a great prayer because you knew how to repeat back the words of Jesus. We all did it together. We prayed the Lord's Prayer together. Now, David is inviting us to do the same thing here, and there are many places in Scripture that you can go to find the kind of prayer that you're feeling in your heart, but you don't know how to put to words. You can go to the scriptures and just read that and say, yes, Lord, this is my prayer. These are the things that I don't know how to pray, but it's written down for me in scripture to help me pray this to you. This is what I agree with. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. You know, sometimes that verse 4, that's the whole prayer I need for today. Gladden the soul of your servant. Gladden the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. I just, I'm just feeling down. I'm just having a hard time. Lord, I need you to just lift up my spirits. Just pick me up. Because I'm feeling down today. Would you gladden my soul? The more we recognize our needs, the easier it is for us to come and bring them to God. The more we recognize this position of we are God's servant, we are the ones who uh, follow his instructions, and we are poor and needy, the more we recognize that position that we hold with God, the easier it is to come to him and say, God, this is what I need. Because when we think that we are strong and when we think that we are capable and able, then we have this pride issue that makes it difficult for us to talk to God. Because I really should be doing this myself. I, I'm really not handling it very well, and so I don't feel like I can talk to God right now because I'm not handling it very well. well. It's the other way around. Because you aren't handling it very well, that's when you should go talk to God. He knows. He's not in heaven looking down going, what? They're not handling it very well? I can't believe that. This is so easy. 
He's looking down instead, and he's going, you were not able to handle this. Why don't you ask for help? Just ask for help. Parents, have you ever said that before? Just ask for help. Please, I would be happy to help you. Just ask for help. And the Lord, uh, our Lord is in heaven going, what are you doing? Just ask for help. I would be happy to help you. Would you please ask? Please ask me for help. For you, O Lord, verse 5, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Okay. This is a quote. I hope that you recognize this quote. The reason that I hope that you recognize this quote is because we read it at the beginning of the service. It comes from Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 8. The other reason that I hope, I hope that even had we not read it at the beginning of the service, that you would recognize this quote and go, oh, this is from when God told Moses who he was. You, you may remember that Moses was talking with God and they were talking about where they were going, to, that God was going to be taking them through the desert and making his covenant with them. And, and Moses said, God, I want you to show me your glory. I want you to show me who you are. And God goes, oh, Moses, you can't handle that. But I'll let you see the afterglow. You can't, see my, you can't handle my whole glory, but I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand. I'm going to walk past, and then I'll take my hand away, and you can just see the afterglow of my presence. And so what happens is God puts Moses in the rock. He puts his hand over there. He passes by, and this is what he says. This is who I am. I am the Lord, the Lord. And this quotes from there. This is the most quoted verse in all of Scripture. That he is good and forgiving and abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. He, he's referring back to that from Exodus chapter 34. He's reminding himself of who he knows the Lord to be because the Lord has said, this is who I am. This is who I am. Let me just read Exodus 34 real quick. The Lord passed by him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. David remembers that. He recalls that and says, this is what I know about who you are, God, and I am declaring to you what your character is, that you've told me this is who you are. This is the confidence that David has in going to him. He says, I know who the Lord is. And sometimes we don't have that same confidence in going before the Lord in prayer because we are not sure who he is. How is he going to react? What's he going to do? 
Does he care? Does he want to listen? Does he want to know about this? Will he hear me? Is he there? Sometimes those questions are stated, articulated in our mind, and sometimes they're just sort of a vague impression that we have. But, but David is rooting his prayer in his knowledge of the character of God, the stated character of God, and we can do the same thing. We have confidence that God will hear us because he is good and he is forgiving and he is abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon him. So he repeats again, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Verse 6 and 7, give ear, to, O Lord, to my prayer and listen to my plea for grace because in the day of my trouble I call upon you for you answer me. You know, there are many psalms that we have been through as we've been working our way through all of the psalms where it's what they call a lament psalm. They're complaining to God and he's saying, this is the kind of trouble I'm in. He's just sort of giving a general, this, anytime I'm in trouble, Lord, you help me. And, and so I, I wonder, especially for those of you who have been here for a while, because I think this is now like the eighth summer, seventh or eighth summer, that we have been going through the Psalms, and there have been many lament Psalms, so that at some points I have been tired of going through lament Psalms, and going, again? We're going to cry out to the Lord and complain again? And so I wonder, are you feeling that same way? Or are you beginning to, with the psalmist, say, again? Yeah, every time, every time I find myself in any kind of affliction or trouble, I just go to the Lord in prayer because we've been through this over and over and over again. And so what I know is that when I get into trouble, it's like an automatic reflex. I just go to the Lord in prayer. Is that your response now? You know how many times I've preached these kinds of psalms and still I struggle with that being an automatic response? But here he's, he is. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you because you answer me. And I think, how am I so slow? to catch on to this? How am I so slow to, in my days of trouble, go running to the Lord in prayer because He answers me? Is eight years enough? I, I hope that you are a quicker learner than me so that you can be saying, yeah, it is my automatic response. When I am in a day of trouble, I just go to the Lord in prayer. In which case, I hope that when we read through this and we hit another lament psalm, you go, me too, David, me too. In my day of trouble, me too. I also come to you and I just complain. In the day of trouble, I call upon you because you answer me. And again, what is his confidence, right? He gives these, these 
uh, cries and these prayers out to the Lord, and then he expresses his confidence of why he thinks God will answer. Because you answer me. And then he expounds on that, verses 8 through 10. Because there's none like you among the other gods. And any other gods out there, there's nobody like the Lord. Nobody listens like the Lord does. Nobody is merciful and compassionate like the Lord is. Nobody responds with power and might like the Lord does. Nobody carries you through those days of affliction and trouble like the Lord does. There is no one else in heaven or on earth that compares to who the Lord is. And so when I'm in a day of trouble... I don't need to go anywhere else. There is nowhere else to turn but to the Lord. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. I remember that covenant that you made with Abraham that through your people, all people everywhere, every nation in the world would be blessed. All of those nations are going to come to you. All of those people all around the world are going to acknowledge that you are God and glorify your name because, O oh Lord, you do great things. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol, from the depths of the grave, from the depths of death. Now, I, I think that this is interesting, because in, in verses 1 through 4, you had all of this posture of relationship between David and God and the way that he expresses his need to him, and then this statement of who God is and confidence in, in God. Then in 6 and 7, you have this, God, I'm crying out to you in my day of trouble. It's, again, this relationship, this this. Um, this recognizing that I am poor and needy and I'm crying out to you because you will answer me. And then in 8 through 10, you have this confidence in who the Lord is. But then in 11, you have, now teach me your way, O God. Now teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. And I see that and as I was reflecting on that this last week, I was thinking, I think that we miss this. For as much as we talk about and may even struggle with the, in days of trouble, going to the Lord and crying out to Him, I still think that I'm better at that than I am at going to the Lord and saying, would you teach me your way? Would you teach me your way that I may walk in it? I think far too often we have this idea that uh, we are Christians, and what it means to be a Christian is that when I get in trouble, I have God that I can cry out to, and He will help me. 
And so I am going to just sort of walk along and do my thing. And then when I get into problems, I will say, okay, Lord, would you help me with this one? But that's not David's attitude, right? Because in verse 2, he said, preserve my life for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. He, he has this posture of, I, Lord, am your faithful servant. I don't always think of myself as being God's faithful servant. I think of him as being my God. Which is true. He is my God, but I am also his. Which means that if he is God and I am his, I am his servant, then the things that he puts before me, the ways that he gives me to walk in, that is the way in which I should walk. If the great Lord of heaven and earth says, you should do it this way, I don't get the right to say, you know, no. Maybe later, Lord, but I'm not feeling that today. I don't, I don't really feel like it. When he says, Travis, this is the way that you will walk, then I say, yes, Lord, I'm going to walk in this way because I am your faithful servant. And when I deviate, deviate from that way, then what I must do is repent and say, I am sorry, Lord, because you were clear, this is the way in which you, I should walk, and instead I walked this other way. Would you again teach me your way that I may walk in it? May my life be centered around you, O Lord. We have a sin problem that God takes care of, not just for us, right? Not just so that we don't have a sin problem anymore. Not just so we don't get ourselves into trouble anymore, but so that we might be his servants and walk in his way and glorify him. That's what David is saying. At some point, all of the nations on earth are going to be his servants and acknowledge and glorify him. And we already recognize and know who he is. He has stated to us who he is. And so we ought to walk in his way. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. And I will glorify your name forever. I'm going to glorify your name forever because your steadfast love is so great and you have delivered my soul, my being from the depths of death. Now, in David's case, I remember the story of David and how many times God saved David's skin. Right? How many times did David have enemies? There are psalms and psalms and psalms about how many times David had enemies who were after him, who were wanting to kill him, and the Lord saved him so that he didn't die. But when I read this, I'm not reading it in that same way. Because I'm not just seeing as I see that when we walk in his way, he will deliver our uh, souls from the grave as in he will preserve us from dying right now. But I recognize that Jesus has said, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John verse 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. And what did Thomas say? Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, if you had known, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus says, I am the way to the Father. I am the way to God. I am the way of deliverance. He has delivered us from the grave. We will die in the flesh at some point. But death will have no hold on us when we follow the way of Jesus. It will have no hold on us. Because we will be brought into eternal life and brought into the eternal presence of our great God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. May this be our prayer. That God would deliver us from trouble, but then that we would not have divided hearts, but a united heart. That our hearts would be united with Christ. That we would glorify his name forever because we know that he has delivered us from the grave. O oh God, he says in verse 14, insolent men have risen up against me, a band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O oh Lord, you are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Does anybody recognize that quote? I hope everybody recognizes that quote this time. Exodus 34. But you, O Lord, there are ruthless people out there. They have it out, out for me. But you, O Lord, are a God who is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So turn to me. Be gracious to me. Give strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. David says, Lord, would you give me some kind of sign that you are listening? He started out the prayer that way, right? Incline your ear to me and answer me. And now he's saying, and now, Lord, as I'm finishing my prayer, as I ask you to help me, I'm asking, would you give me some kind of a sign? Some way that I may know that you are answering me. Don't leave me in the dark. Don't leave me wondering. 
Don't be silent, but respond and, and tell me, show me. And so when I go to the Lord in prayer, I'm saying, Lord, I, I want to know. I want to know for sure. I want to know for sure that you care. I want to know for sure that you love me. How can I know that? Romans chapter 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, so much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Do you want a sign that God loves you? Do you want a sign that God cares? Do you want a sign that God wants you to cry out in times of trouble and let him know what's going on? Do you want a sign to know that he will answer and respond and comfort and care for you? That's it. The cross is it. That's your sign that God loves you. That's your sign that he cares. That he sent his one and only son to live a perfect life and die on the cross for your sins so that you could be reconciled to him. That's the sign. He may give you an additional sign. He may give you other smaller signs. But if you ever need hope that God loves you, you just look to the cross. Because he has demonstrated his love for you in this. That while you were still a sinner, Jesus died for us. That is what we are going to remember together this morning. We are going to celebrate communion together this morning to remember the sign that Jesus died for us and continues to care for us so that we might be his faithful servants walking in his way. I would encourage you during the next song, if you believe that Jesus is your Savior, to uh, come up and get the bread and the cup and bring it back to your seat. And after the next song, we will all, uh, I will come back up and we will all take this together as a way of remembering uh, Jesus' great love for us. We have a table here in the front and then one there in the back as well. So you can go to whichever is more convenient for you. But let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that in times of trouble, we can cry out to you. That with confidence, we can come before you and say, Lord, this is what I need. 
Lord, I pray too that when we are in days of trouble or when we are not in days of trouble, that we will still come to you in prayer. That we would desire to have that relationship with you. Father, I pray that day by day it would be easier and easier for us to talk with you. That the more we get to know you, the more we would delight in being in your presence and talking with you and praying to you like talking with a good friend. Father, I pray that it would be easy. I thank you that when it is not easy, you have given us your scriptures so that we might pray through them, so that we might participate with those who have gone before us and who have loved you and known you so well, and we might pray with them. Thank you for the prayers of David that we might pray with him this morning that we might request that you would incline your ear toward us. And Father, we thank you that you have provided for us a sign in the death and resurrection of Jesus that we might know you love us and we might come before you confidently knowing that you want us to come in prayer to you. And so we pray in Jesus' name, amen.